0: with
1: the best the, the,
0: the, 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 the god universal ruler universal to give you exactly
1: thanks for stopping by the badass records podcast make sure to follow on YouTube
0: Instagram
1: and Twitter new episodes come out Thursdays
0: we're talking people music and badass records gangstar foundation <laughs> you rocking with the best to get the god universal ruler Universal give you exactly what you asked for here you are now rocking with the
1: best the best gangsta
0: so let's see here we are recording episode 105 of uh, Badass Records Podcast. Is it Sid Souter? mm mm-hmm. Souter. Okay. Excellent. Too Much Rock. Indeed. P- appreciate you being here. Um, I uh, too TooMuchRock.com, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Music, SoundCloud, Twitter.
1: Pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. I'm not on threads. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's there in some fashion. I try not to duplicate content a whole lot. So, like, if you go to SoundCloud, it's not the podcast, it is the various singles I've released. If you go to YouTube, uh, you're not going to get the podcast, you're going to get the videos of shows I go to, et cetera. A little different on every site.
0: Singles that you've released.
1: Yeah, I do a Too Much Rock Singles series. I've released uh, 10 or 11, 7 Inches, where I just take a local band in town. Yes. They record the A-side. I, I pick the B-side, which is a cover for them, and uh, that's I put those out uh, and uh, that's where they end up on i mean they're vinyl right but but uh, online i put just the a side on the uh, on soundcloud and i like to keep the b side uh, kind of unique to the vinyl uh, some some bands have chosen to put it online but the spirit is that the only way to hear it is to actually get the vinyl and right. support bands right
0: um, and you do this for free. I mean, you lose your site, you said you you lose money on it in the band. Oh yeah, you-
1: it's it's about fifteen hundred dollars to put out one of these. So I put one out. Um, I planned initially to do like four a year, and that was great when I was working and making money, uh, but it was also bad because I was working and I had no time to actually do the work. Um, and, uh, now I'm, uh, we'll call it retired. Okay. Okay. I've got the time, but it turns out uh, I don't have the money. Uh, so we're doing like, you know, one a year, two a year. Gotcha.
0: So photos and videos of shows that you shoot, Mm -hmm. right. And then, uh, the singles portion that you mentioned, um, and 679 podcast episodes.
1: Yeah, I do one a week, and, uh, and I've been doing it for that long, however long that right, <laughs>
0: <laughs> 679 divided by 52? Yeah, it's <laughs> not, not
1: quite that. I, I have probably, um, I probably end up doing about 49 a year, 48. Okay. Something at some point gets in the way, and I just haven't listened to enough music.
0: Right, right, right. Um, are you born and raised, Casey?
1: No, I moved, no. moved here initially in 97. Okay. I'm from Indianapolis. Okay. And I was here from 97 to about 2000 and, oh, 2002, um, maybe January 2003, then moved out to Boston, lived oh, in New wow. York, lived in Chicago. Dang. And then uh, came back here um, uh, in 2008, 2009, something okay. like
0: that. Okay, okay. Um, siblings?
1: I got a younger sister. She's an in Indianapolis school teacher.
0: Okay, cool. Um, any idea how uh, mom and dad met?
1: It was a party sometime okay. right after right after high school. They actually went to the same high school, but never met each other.
0: Oh wow! Um, Must it, have been a big big joint. It was a big school,
1: but at the same time, dad was dad was a burnout that skipped a lot of class and um, spent most of his time um, racing cars illegally. And oh. mom was a Catholic schoolgirl who uh, transferred to that school her senior year and um so she was a good girl he was a bad boy and i guess those things happen
0: (laughs) right um are you uh do you have any um memories of them putting on music to listen to in the home when you guys were growing up oh yeah constantly yeah what were they into
1: um largely um well my mom's like the biggest beatles fanatic okay so there was a lot of beatles in the house and some of my early records were, were theirs that I had worn out. That they gave me their copy, and then they bought another one. So nice. That's where my Abbey Road came from. Okay. It was originally originally one of theirs, uh, but uh, and there's just a lot of music. I my mean, dad really liked like like uh, he loved Jethro Tull, Bob okay. Seger, nice. Steve Miller. Um, uh, Eric Clapton is his favorite. Mom really loved. Uh, uh, she was a. Pretty big Fleetwood Mac fan, but she loved um, probably Rod Stewart more. Okay, okay. (laughs) So a lot of just uh, variations of what we would now call classic rock.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of their uh, records that they uh, overplayed or or wore out or whatever became yours?
1: Well, typically the ones that I I overplayed. You overplayed. they, They would let me use their records, but I had like a crappy turntable. I've always had from as long as I can remember, always had a turntable, but I had like the sort that you tape a, a nickel to, to get it to keep from skipping. And I just would ruin their records. Ah, gotcha. And then at some point they would decide that it was my record now. And they would go buy <laughs> a new copy.
0: Um, how about uh, the first one that you acquired on your own?
1: Yeah, my, my father, <laughs> my mom always ran the finances in the house because my father couldn't be trusted with money. <laughs> he was the sort that, you know, came home every week and handed the check to mom and she would peel some money off and give back to him and, you know, here's your allowance for the week. Right.
0: Yeah. But one of the smart things, lady.
1: Yeah. He kept us afloat. Uh huh. But one of the things that I do remember is he was allowed to buy a record every week. Oh, hey. Nice. So I would go with him to Now, did that
0: have to come out of his allowance? Or... Yes. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, but there was money allotted for a record every week. Cool. so I would go with him on Saturday morning to Karma or Obadiah and look through the records and he would buy one and uh, once I started getting enough uh, you know birthday money or whatever yeah. um, I would I would go and buy as well. So I think the first one I ever bought was uh, a Bob Seeger nine Tonight live album because it was a two LP hey. and it was the same price as the regular deal so I thought I'm definitely getting my money's <laughs> worth on this yeah. Um and then the second one I bought was Fleetwood Mac Rumours, okay? Uh, Cuz I really love the chain. Sure. And you know, still do I guess. You're yeah, right, right? I don't know if I need to hear much of that record anymore. I
0: we've I think we've all been exposed to it. Well, it's amazing
1: fr- that it's still like well, I won't say still. It's for the last few years has been back in the top 10 vinyl sales every year. It's like seven um Taylor Swift records, uh, Olivia Rodrigo record, Rumors, and then like Lana Del Rey or something. Huh. That's, that's like the top 10 wow. this year.
0: Wow. Uh, what about first show? Are you a show, I mean, you're a showgoer now, but I mean, uh, whether you were dragged to one or, or went to one with a buddy or? Yeah, I. I my parents used to bring me to shows occasionally,
1: um, what when, when a concert's, I guess, very formal sort of things, mm-hmm. um, rock and roll things. They weren't really into it. You know, we never went to go see the symphony or anything. Right, right. But um, I I don't remember them. Mom tells stories of, oh, no, you you actually saw the Rolling Stones, but you were in me at the time. (laughs) You heard them. Yes, felt them most assuredly. But the first one that I remember going to by myself or without an adult, I was with a a younger cousin, was uh, in Indianapolis. It was... Julian Lennon. Oh. With um, a local band called Recordio opening. Um, And yeah, so they dropped us off, and I don't know, I couldn't have been, but 14 or something. And my cousin was probably 12 or or maybe 13. And uh, off
0: we went. Um, God, what is the name of that Julian Lennon single that was a big hit in the 80s? Uh, I, George, I got George Harrison, I got my mind set on you, right? Mm-hmm. Julian Lennon. God, it's on the tip of my. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, never look back from there. Just have been seeing shows yeah. since. Yeah. Yeah. It,
1: it was very common for like birthdays or Christmas or whatever that I would get concert tickets. Cool. So my parents, <laughs> my parents one time got me rush tickets, Ooh. and this was the Hold Your Fire tour, so '88 or something like that. And I went with a different cousin, and my parents or his, his his mother dropped us off. We went to the concert. Horrible seats, like third from the back, um, right against the wall at a big uh, arena, and uh, and then saw the show. I think Tommy Shaw opened that one. Oh wow! Um, and then uh, afterwards, uh, his my parents picked us up and dropped us home. And my cousin, when he got home, his mom said you smell like pot. Where have you been? He's like, I've been at a rush concert. Yeah. If I didn't come home smelling like pot, then you'd have to worry cause I wasn't at the rush. Yeah, concert. Yeah, exactly.
0: Nice. Um, so too much rock has been alive and kicking for 25 years. Just yeah. a lot of impressive numbers in all of the facets of the things that you do and put up there. And, uh, I just wanted to mention that because uh, it's prop, Props worthy in my mind, and uh, kudos to you for. Um, I mean, that is seriously impressive.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I just don't know when to give up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it originally started off as a paper zine, um, and oh. then, um, and it's kind of where the name Too Much Rock came from. I was going to sh- shows and then writing them up and then, you know, putting them in my zine, and then realized that, like, by the time the zine came out, like, the show was f- so five far weeks in the ago, six yeah. weeks yeah. ago, yeah. Yeah. and then I had seen. You know, when I first lived in, in Indianapolis and, you know, back oh, in the 80s, um, you know, there would be a show every two or three weeks at a VFW hall or Knights right. of Columbus or something like that. And that was it. Um, so it was kind of easy to keep up. But it, as things in you know, times changed and the kind of music I was interested in um, kind of came a little more popular as, as quote unquote alternative kind of usurped some of the post-punk and everything those sort of things started to get played at radio stations uh, at actual venues yeah then I started seeing a lot more shows and I just it's like there's it too much rock for the for the uh, for the paper zine and that's oh when it, cool that's, that's when it went digital in 97 okay. okay
0: um you have uh your uh, the whole the whole p the website everything is uh handsome and well put together but uh your verbiage is very clean Um, and, uh, there's, there's a voice in there. You're, uh, you're uh, direct in that, um, you know, if, if I want to, if I want to write about my shoes for 10 sentences, that's up to me. And this is about my experience. It's not a review. Um, and, uh, what else did I see? Um, I'll probably be, bands reach out to me. I'll, there's a good chance I'll, I'll be there anyway. Um, unless, (laughs) unless I don't think you're good, then you probably don't want me
1: there. (laughs) You know, someone the other day, and by the other day it could have been a year ago, Right, time is, uh, it's all lost in my head, but said, you know, I know your reputation is for a culinary as you see it. I'm like, I don't don't think so. There are very few bands that I can't appreciate. Um, Sure. When I see a band and I'm like, I don't understand what they're doing, this makes no sense to me, I usually try to figure that out. I'll go back and see them a few times. And there's bands in town like Nerva, for example. I'm like, what is this noise? I just don't get it. It's just loud and, and horrible. And then like, next time I'm like, oh, this makes The next time I'm like, oh my God, there's so many layers here. And I've just finally been able to peel things back. So so there are, there are bands that I, I don't enjoy, but for the most part, bands that there aren't bad bands; they're just ones that aren't for me. Yeah,
0: well, not everything can be for everybody, Man. and and sometimes uh, the timing just isn't right. You know, you might <sighs> be into somebody that you didn't care for fifteen years ago. You know,
1: one of my favorite bands ever is Husker Du, but when I first heard them, I was like, "Nah, this this doesn't make any sense at all. This is no good." <laughs> they are intense. Everyone loves Arcade. What is this? I don't get this. It's huge. It's right. sprawling. I want I want punk rock that's you know straight ahead sst i want you know n- no nuance i want n- none of this and then you know 10 years later i hear the album again i'm like oh this is brilliant <laughs> i just wasn't ready <laughs> yeah, for exactly, it exactly exactly i wasn't ready for it when i was you know just wanting to hear more misfits and sex pistols yeah
0: and uh you know it 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 kudos are warranted for acknowledging that in oneself that I was I just wasn't ready for it you know okay. it was it was, it was a, probably a great album back then too I just wasn't ready for it I think a lot of people weren't
1: ready for it then I didn't discover it and you know um, in, in the early and mid 80s it was the late 80s for me um but but at the time I'm there were people who were like 2lp what kind of rock posers are these <laughs> is this the latest yes record what's mm-hmm. going on
0: Um, And then also um, I felt I picked up on that same uh, directness when we were messaging and uh, I asked you for your list, which thank you very much for sharing with me. Um, But you made a point to distinguish between uh, favorites and and influential, I believe. And I was curious if you would elaborate on that a little bit.
1: Sure. I think there are lots of records that really changed – me, um, my outlook. Um, in in some some ways, I mean, I'm I'm Generation X. I'm the generation of tribes, right, where you you figured out who your people were and then you committed to that fully. Right. That yeah. doesn't exist today. Um, yeah. For better, probably. Right. But Right. Um, but then you based your entire identity around it, and you're like, well, I I'm a punk now, and, and, that, <laughs> and that's really what happened for me. Okay. Um, okay. And so there are records that I'm like, when I heard. That record, I went. Oh, this this is me now. This 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 has changed everything. I mean, my favorite band when I was a kid was Sticks. Um, okay. And Tommy uh, Shaw all over again. Yeah. Um, and uh, then sometime in you know the mid eighties, I stumbled onto probably Sex Pistols, kind of starting those things, and then Misfits and those sorts of bands and Ramones. And um, and then it was like oh, this changes things. Yeah. Um, and some of those, I don't listen to a lot anymore. Um, and especially there was an era where I was very in, engaged in kind of the straight edge hardcore scene of the late '80s, um, even into the early '90s. And uh, albums that just like, I mean, you just take take something classic, take Minor Threat. Yeah. That is a band that I listened to and went, well. Again, this changed my life. This is who I am now. Yeah. Um and but it's not a record I put on much anymore. It's not when I hear it, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm in a club and the song comes on. I I know all the words and I know every every break and every guitar uh well soloette that happens sure, in there. Sure. Um but it's not like a band that or an album that is my favorite, but boy did it change everything for me. And then ones that are my favorite typically Came around a little later, um, I found uh, more joy in not so much the the punk records and the hardcore records that, that put me on the journey, but the next step of kind of the post-punk bands um, and then kind of the bands that followed the, the pub rock, the Angry Young Men bands of, of Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson and Graham Parker. And, and those are the bands that like when I listen to those albums now, I mean, I listen to them all the time. Like...
0: That this, those are the ones that still stick with me. Sure. Um, so how... I, I'm trying to picture your room of vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I imagine you have a dedicated space for it and it's organized in some fashion. How, how, how big are we talking numbers-wise? Oh, um... Ish. Bigish. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: I, I, I think f- there were years when I was a horrible collector. Um, in the the early '90s to the the mid '90s, say 1997, even I was just ridiculous. I, I was on in, a, in that post-punk phase. I, Cure records, for example, I loved the Cure, still do. Um, but I would pick up every Cure record there was. Like, do I have the German? press of this love cats 12 inch or not. I don't know, let's get that one. And I bought everything. okay. Um, and uh, it, it, those days, it was bad, but not as bad as it is now because now you can just go to discogs and you know, if you got the money, you can get anything that's ever existed, right? At that point, it was I went to for a while, I was living in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, right uh, after college and even during college. There were on the same block, there were one, two, three, four, five record stores on the same block. Is that uh, IU? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I would go to every record store every day and go what? through the new release section. Every day? Every day, all five record stores. Wow. And um, so I found the things I wanted, um, but you know, I had worked for them and I didn't pay collectors prices. So I used to have a giant collection and then I kept moving and oh. you know how it is in early twenties to, to, to your early thirties or whatever. You probably have a lot of different houses and I sure did. And I got so tired of moving literally like my entire, everything I own in life is like, here's this futon, here are my clothes and here are 43 crates of records. And like, so I, at some point, um, probably at the wrong time, sold everything. Oh, man. Okay. And at some point, like, I went into Recycled Sounds uh, here in, in, um, in KC and just, like, crate after crate. And Anne's like, okay, take them all. And then um, I did that later with my 7-inches. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to figure out which of these are worth tons of money and which ones aren't. Oh, this Fugazi 7-inch should be worth 50 bucks on its own. I'm going to sort through all these and figure this out. And I never did. I mean, it was like years went by, and I went, I just don't want these things anymore. So I got rid of those things. And then, like everybody who ever gets rid of their vinyl, they feel really sad and lonely without it. Yeah. And so, um, for me, that's. I started picking things up again. Okay. Um, And I have picked up things that are near and dear to my heart. Good. And then new things happen a lot more than going back for near and dear.
0: Okay. That's um, fun. Nice to have a mix of the two, right?
1: Yeah. So um, and most of the new things are are locals. I'm, I really believe that you know, the best band is the local band. Sure. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, if you're not supporting the local bands, then you're just not supporting music. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Um, so the, the the new collection is largely built around um, new or uh, around local bands. Okay.
0: Um. So shooting tonight at farewell. Um. And is 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 this it? That bands reach out to me a bit of verbiage. Uh, I mean, you go to a lot of shows and you shoot them for your own project for for too much rock Mm -hmm. but do bands reach out to you and say hey uh we'd like you to you know come and it'll professionally we'll we'll pay you and you give us the end product sort of deal does that happen as well or that happens but um
1: not much okay um typically um i don't want to waste my time doing something that i don't want to do um so um, I'd be, have to be pretty hard up for a band to be like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll pay you to come out here and take these pictures. I'm like, well, if you're a good band, I want to go, go anyway and find the, the pictures of yours. I mean, what, what, how it typically works for too much rock is I do kind of a, a low res 1080 sort of photo that I post online or maybe 800 mm-hmm. um, that I post online. that's watermarked and any band can do anything they want with any of those photos. Um, even if they crop out the logo, fine. Just give me credit some other way. They're kind of low res. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Um, occasionally a band would be like, "Hey, I really want this one for a record," and I'm like, "Well, you know, we'll work out something that, that I license it." Or um, and uh, most of the time when. Some people will come. I'm like, ah, oh, I just want to use this for my profile pic. I'm like, great, have at it. And they're like, well, I want the, the big version because I need to use it for you know a promo for something that's running in the newspaper in St. Louis or whatever. I'm like, fine, ten you know, dollars. Okay, ju- just enough that you know there is value to what I do. Right, but. There's no band in this town that should be paying anybody hundreds of dollars to because nobody in this town's making that kind of money. Right now, I mean, if I got a phone call from Green Day tomorrow that said, "Hey, we we want to use one of your photos," Mike, great, go ahead and have you know reprise write out that check, and you know it's not going to be a ten dollar check. <laughs> each to their ability, I guess. Yeah, of
0: course, of course, cool. Um, so, I'll so- give you
1: a funny story there yeah. about bands reaching out. I had uh, someone reach out uh, about three weeks ago and said, "Hi, I'm a regular reader, and you know, I don't ever think I've seen you this cover this band, and this band's name is this, and they're really good. I think you should cover them." And uh, she signed her name, and I'm like, well, that name looks familiar." And um, it was the mom of somebody in the band that, that she was recommending, so she was plugging uh, her son's band, saying, "Hey, I think you should really check them out." Like, said so it's not often that I get moms saying, "Interesting, please do this." And
0: was it a band that you had heard of? Yeah. Oh. In
1: fact, I wrote back to her and said, "You know, I I'd love to cover them, but uh, and name the player is just you know too handsome and debonair, and it just distracts me from writing about them." <laughs> and. Uh, but uh, no, I, I and and it's a band that uh, I figure I will see eventually. We've we've talked. I've already had conversations with that person beforehand. That was cool. like, I can't make that one,
0: but yeah, right. invite me out again, and I'll be there. And so you're going out like two, three nights a week.
1: Right now, it's a little slower. Um, one, uh, just January is a horrible time for bands. Nobody wants to tour through um, Kansas City this time of year. Uh, they're gonna get stuck, you know, trying to get from. Colorado to to Kansas City and I seventy is going to be shut down and they're going to be cold in a van you know whatever <laughs>
0: with all their gear <laughs> yeah
1: and hopefully still on the roads yeah not not in a ditch right. somewhere so not much tours through this time of year um, things really don't pick up until like South by Southwest starts to happen and then suddenly everybody's thinking well I got to get down there and back from there so where can I play uh, but um, during the summer during kind of the high season uh, I I may be out. Uh, four nights a week. Okay. And now it's kind of one or
0: two. So you, there's got to be a collection of venue owners, managers, security folks that know you well. Mm-hmm. Um, and is, is that a network, of, or is that mostly made up of, of great, good people? Uh, you know, um, hey, I'm here to shoot, and they're like, heck yeah. And, and most of the time, do you develop relationships with those folks, or is it just kind of, you know, hey, good to see you, and you go about your business, and then you get out of there? Or...
1: Yeah, I know that's kind of an interesting question. It's all over the place. Okay. A venue, you know, if I'm shooting at Truman, it's because some band's publicist has mailed me and said, hey, please come out and do that, and I don't have a whole lot to do with anybody there. I kind of go take my three photos, no flash, or three, first three songs, no flash, and then go hide somewhere in the wings, watch the rest of the show, take my notes, then get out of there. Okay, okay. Uh, But if it's something like, you know, you're playing at – or you're shooting at um, the greenhouse or somebody's basement venue, you're not going to – you can't get out of there without knowing that person. Yeah, exactly. And and knowing um, uh, things about them, Um, you know. (laughs) go to enough house venues and you're like, well, look, it's laundry day for for whoever. Yeah, exactly. um, so it, it all varies on the size of the venue and the type of bands I'm working with.
0: And do is there some kind of understanding for, you know, uh, cover? I wish. Oh. Um, some venues there are. Um, some venues have been very
1: kind. And um, one even has a little VIP card that, uh, that I can flash <laughs> to somebody at the door if they don't know who I am. Uh, but others, it's, uh, you know, I, I'll have to either work with the bands and say, hey, make sure and get me on your guest list. Um, or, um, you know, some venues I just pay.
0: Okay. Interesting. Kind of all over the place.
1: It's easier. Like I said, when, when, when I was working more, I, uh, had a lot more disposable income then I didn't really worry about it. And like, you know, in 10 bucks for five times a week and I can afford that. And, but now I'm more likely to hit a band and be like, Hey,
0: How's I, that do wanna, I do want
1: to come out and cover you at the mini bar, but, uh, you got room for me. Right. And, um, uh, I've never had a band be like, no, go away. Right. But
0: uh, Now, is is the uh, head count on a guest list determined by the venue, typically?
1: Um, it, it
0: depends on the the place.
1: Maybe it's a venue, maybe it's the promoter. Okay. Um, but yet, yeah, kind of rule of thumb is usually it's like one person per band member. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. And if it's somebody like, you know, that's playing a bigger show that's um, a touring band, then, you know, they, they will do what a ticket buy and they will buy so ever many tickets that, so they can fit in all the reporters or uh, photographers or videographers or whatever they want to be at a particular show. Right. So if somebody's touring through it, you know, the Truman, they're not like, Oh, there's five of us. We get five people. No, they'll have a guest list of, you know, 65 people from whoever the label or the promoter or the okay. press agent or whatever wanted to show up.
0: Do you wind up interacting with promoters often too, as you go about your ways?
1: I try to stay mostly in the smallest shows so the, the promoter is usually somebody in the band um, or um, you know somebody who's just part of the venue staff right right um, so I don't really interact a whole lot with a promoter that's putting on a, a gig at uh, you know if I'm at T-Mobile Center, I don't know who the promoter is. Right, right. <laughs> we're right. not we're not going to be friends, <laughs> uh, but but if it's somebody like you know, I was at Howdy last night. Aaron Rhodes put the show on, and he was there, and we talked. You know, cool. so those things happen. Cool.
0: Well, thanks again for sending me your list. Um, I'd like to run through them chronologically, re- right. release date. So, uh, 1970, Paranoid, <laughs> Black Sabbath. Um. Second of 19 for them, 8 tracks, 41 minutes, uh, incredibly important album uh, for the genre. Um, how did this one land uh, uh, in your lap and are you, are you versed in their, their entire library?
1: Sure. Um, this is one of those that came from my parents. Okay. In fact, it was the first record that I ever received. Oh, wow. So a lot of people got like a Peter Pan, turn the page book, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Ding! You get Black this Sabbath <laughs> was, I, I, was, I was three or four, um, and they gave me their copy because I had pretty much damaged it by playing it. And then they bought another one. Because um, I loved Iron Man. Yeah. That, that was my song. And I was allowed to, on my parent's stereo, to put on the headphones. And I knew I was only supposed to turn it up to the one, or the first tick. yeah. yeah. But I would turn it up until like just it was barely touching the the first tick, but as far over it as I could get to it and listen to that. And so I actually still have that that pressing, um, which was the first record that I ever received.
0: Very cool. Um, And so, uh, I mean, and Iron Man is... uh, probably the most globally known, but there's a lot of really cool tracks on that record.
1: Yeah. I don't know. War Pigs and, and yeah. Paranoid give it a run for money. I think all of them are just part of the canon.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, how about uh, other Sabbath records?
1: I, I love the, the Aussie records the best. Oh, okay. So the, the first four um, all have, you know, fantastic moments on them. i um, uh, I think paranoid is probably the best. I think most people that aren't trying to be contrarians probably think that that's the best. Uh, but it's certainly the one that um, uh, I was introduced to. And so much of what you love the best is what you were introduced to. Yeah. I yeah. suspect somebody probably came in during the Dio era and is like, oh, Dio's a much better front man than, than Ozzy. And I'm like, this well, is... if that's where you came in. Yeah.
0: This is. Um... Only the second Sabbath record to be on somebody's list. The other was four. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was surprised uh, that the first time a Sabbath record made somebody's list, it wasn't paranoid. And so when I asked, it was absolutely because it was his introduction to Sabbath. But so this for you, this one, and then on to solo Ozzy stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Just
1: the the ones that Ozzy fronted. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so. I prefer um, the, it, those first four records the most. I mean, they're fun things that happened afterwards. Right. But it got a little spotty.
0: Did you did you ever get into Solo Aussie? Oh Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, okay. I'm
1: sure I've got them all. And, oh, uh, nice. Well, I don't know. Something probably came out after, well, I'll say I got them all up until like Ultimate
0: Sin, which was, I don't know, 89. Okay. Something like that. Okay.
1: After that, yeah. Uh,
0: was that before? Would that be before "No More Tears"?
1: Yeah, that the one, I think that was the one right. before The one before
0: right that. before. Okay,
1: okay. In that late eighties, I had switched over from every everything must be punk rock, and so you know that last gasp was that uh, ultimate sin record, and then, uh, and then you know just ah, that's that's not cool to listen to anymore. <laughs> now I've got to listen to cool music.
0: I hear that. Um, From there, we go to uh, one of two on your list that were out in uh, 1979. The first being Look Sharp, Joe Jackson. uh, First of 22 for him. 11 tracks, 36 minutes, killer uh, album cover art. Um, You know, one could uninformedly say uh, One Hit Wonder. Uh, but 22 records, uh, I think suggests otherwise, uh, was this also, um, uh, via your folks or what's the,
1: No, honestly, I don't know how I came in to Joe Jackson. I mean, certainly there were radio songs. Um, and, um, you know, she would going out with him was a big hit. Yeah. Um, so that, that may have been where I, I came into Joe Jackson. Okay. Um, I don't know that, At the time, this isn't one that I bought back in the 70s. This Mm. isn't one that I bought until, um, gosh, uh, right around 90, um, around that time, um, that I uh, really um, got into it more. Uh, I didn't own it until that point. But (coughs) I I think I came into Joe Jackson first through Elvis Costello. Oh,
0: Um, but what's the connection there?
1: Oh, I, I think they're just part of the same scene of stiff records um, and kind of the, the growing out of what they referred to as like the angry young man era. Okay. Um,
0: is stiff. Is that a label? Yes. Okay. Okay.
1: And, and they were a punk label that like uh, Nick Lowe produced a lot for him. Uh, Elvis Costello uh, recorded uh, for them. Um, and I think that um, they were artists that didn't really fit in musically with punk rock mm. but there was a lot of um a lot of connection just around the urgency uh, of their music uh, around um uh, kind of that that there's a bristle and an energy and a, a backs up sort of thing that yes. kind of let them fit in a little bit and so for me that's how I transitioned to that and that made a whole lot of sense to me like oh I don't really need to hear just somebody screaming anymore I got somebody screaming um uh, a, a little smarter. Right. Um, and um, there's a point Perhaps a, point a little here. more melodically? Uh, certainly, um, that could be the case. Right. I mean, uh, compared to um, some of the, I don't know. I, I've always appreciated the melodic side of punk anyway. Um, the 77 sort of uh, uh, punk that could have been a, in an alternate world uh, radio hits.
0: Right. Um, well, it was cool stuff. I was... Um, I thought uh, that I didn't. I mean, like there was some. There's something about the name, Joe Jackson. Like I, I, uh, that feels familiar. I don't know how. I don't know why. And it wasn't until track three played during my listen. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but again, uh, 22 records, um, handsome collection. Uh, you know, admirable musicianship, um, and was this one. On your influential side or your favorite side, I can't.
1: Uh, it's a favorite side. Favorite, okay. I, this is one that I'm. Um, I, I probably revisit um, six, eight times uh, a year. That I, I play through, and there's a world of music out there. It's hard to even listen to your favorites just because, I especially know. with the podcast. Every yeah. week, I try to add seven records to my collection and that's what makes the podcast it's just whatever i've added to my collection wow so i'm constantly listening to new music um and it's not like i just um with those ones i i want to give everything four l- listens kind of minimum and like in different eras like oh one with a headphone four? record
0: yeah i've I've always gone by three will get you qualified enough to have an opinion mm-hmm. about it but you're going i, I like extra... to get four i kay. like
1: i like like one headphones maybe walking around town or even at the gym and then one just maybe at my computer and then on the stereo um, and I love to get a car listen in if I can yeah. as well and because like all of those are just like different
0: ways For to experience sure. an album Yes, and
1: sometimes I'll hear an album that like um, like uh, Brent uh Windler here in Kansas City. That record I listened to just like on my computer while I was working. Like, eh, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then, then like headphones walking around town. I went, oh my god, I'm just totally. This is this is everything I now. Love that. And so sometimes you gotta find the right mode for the record to understand it. So uh, anyway, those I, I listened to a lot of music that way. And then I'm like, sometimes I feel like I'm neglecting all the best music in my in the world, all my favorite ones. I don't get to enough. But this is one that you know, if it's not a monthly listen, it's kind of close to that. Right.
0: Nice. Um, so record stores, um, I, I would imagine, please correct me if I'm wrong. You've been to all, all of them in t- here in town.
1: There's one in North Kansas city that I haven't been to. What's that uh, called? I don't even
0: remember. Okay. Okay.
1: But, uh, I was complaining to a friend who lives in North Kansas city about some of the things that's missing. And he's like, there's a record store. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah, there is one, isn't there? But I haven't been there yet, so
0: yeah, um,
1: I've got a field trip to make.
0: Hey, nice. So <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't catch uh, on your site that that is what makes up the podcast is what you've added to your collection.
1: Yeah, I don't like think uh, this week. What do I want to play? It's it, the podcast. Really grew out of the fact that I was just buying so much music, and I wanted to, to make sure that I was giving it all of it at least. Um, the attention it deserves. Uh-huh. I grew up in the era where you know you, you bought a record a week or maybe every month. You know when you you just didn't didn't have access to everything, right? And then when you bought it, you like listened to the hell out of that. Uh-huh. I mean, it, that cassette was all you listened to for like two weeks because right. it was that new record yeah. you just bought.
0: Yeah, um, got that new record smell even.
1: But when things started changing and like it, promoters will send me, I I literally get. 75 or a hundred emails a day from promoters that like, Hey, listen to this record. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Um, and you reply to all of them. No, <laughs> not even close. I love um, that. which means I miss things and fun. Sometimes I'll mail a promoter back after like, you know, six months and like, Hey, I just finally listened to that record. You were sending me, I know you're probably not even working it for the artist anymore, but I do plan on featuring that. Um, and they're like, Great, good to hear. Hmm. I'm not getting paid anymore for this. Oh, okay. My work right. with that band ended already. Right. But so there's just so much music and I was listening to so much and I was worried I wasn't giving it the attention. So that's what I decided to do the podcast. I'm like, well, if I limit myself to like the seven records a week, which it turns out to be a, about my half hour podcast, uh, seven songs usually makes up about 23 or 26 minutes. And that kind of makes my half hour podcast. Um, I knew that I would like, well, Now I'm definitely giving every record I buy a full listen, not just picking up a record going like, oh, I played it once and put it on the shelf and forget all about it. At least I know everything at the time I'm going to know about that record. Yeah. As we talked about years later, I might discover entirely new things about it. But at least I've given that record a shot and I understand what it's about.
0: So 30 minutes-ish per episode, once a week. Um, Is there video? No. No, okay. So um, the editing part of of uh putting together an episode must be uh relatively painless for you then if it's 30 minutes oh, yeah. and no video you can kind of just boom bam bip and yeah it's put it a, where it's, it needs to go it's all dropped
1: into garage band and i sort my songs and then uh quickly do my um chats about each of the uh, the songs and uh it's a waterfall all down nice and pretty and usually only takes me about an hour to record the half-hour podcast.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so when you are out shopping, do you have favorites or do you try to hit everything evenly? Or if it's not something you want to get into, that's totally fine too, but I'm just no, nosy and curious. I, I think every record store in town...
1: Slight reservations. I think every record store in town is a good one. Okay, um, I think... Anybody that's 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 helping to push this uh, this media is great. Anyone who's pushing music is great. And there's no record store in town that is is horrible. There's some that um, uh, one that's closing that um, I wasn't a big fan of. Okay, but uh, there most people are just fantastic. I mean, the folks at say Sister Ann's or or Judy at Mills are just mm-hmm. amazing people. Yeah. They're just Wonderful, wonderful people doing great things for our community. So I'm always happy to buy something from, from them. But every it, record store in town, I'm happy it's there.
0: And there's a, a grand opening happening as we speak uh, in Independence, right? I, I never make it to Independence, okay. but what what's oh. happening out there? Um, uh, Kimmy Queen, mm-hmm. who I was working at 7th Heaven, or maybe still is, opened her own spot. Oh, with uh i forget her partner's name cody something or other um they were supposed to open a week ago but it was one of those absolutely frozen days yes so they pushed it and I, i mean i think it's i think as we speak right now on the uh saturday the 20th of january they're having uh their grand opening with snacks and drinks and uh music you can purchase.
1: And, and why aren't we there? <laughs> we could have been doing this on site.
0: <laughs> That's true, true. Uh, probably too much basketball on the calendar for me <laughs> to have made that happen. But um,
1: The Badass Records Remote is coming.
0: I've done three. Okay. I, I've done one uh, at Skate Bar in mm-hmm. St. Joe. Rest in peace. Right, right. Uh, but they have uh, something newer and bigger coming that they mm-hmm. haven't told us about yet. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and maybe not in St. Joe.
0: Right, yes, that's right, because they were maybe asking what folks thought. Yeah. Um, and then I did one um, on the stage at uh, Aztec Shawnee Theater. Mm-hmm. And then I actually... Uh, flew to New York and did one, uh, at a tattoo parlor. Uh, it was pretty random how all it all came together. Um, but, uh, I've, I've now got a rough idea of what it takes to, uh, pack all this stuff up and either put it in my car or get on a plane. with (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 it, it can be done and has been done. Um, but but uh, most of them happen right here. Um, but, it, you know, uh, I would imagine uh, that staff or ownership of these places, these record stores that you shop at, uh, enjoy seeing you come through the door. Yeah, I think they enjoy seeing any customer come through the yeah, door. fair, um, fair.
1: But, uh, yeah, I, I think we're friendly terms and we know each other's names and things of that sort. Um, I... I Way back when, like, oh, I, I don't know, a decade ago, I had worked out something with Mills where there was going to be like the Mills record of the week on the, the podcast, but okay. we could never quite get it to be consistent enough to keep it going. Gotcha. But like the thought was, hey, whatever I'm promoting is going to get like a 5% off or something at the store. And, you know, um, but uh, uh, I don't know, maybe there's room for a crossover like that to happen again. Something uh, mutually advantageous for
0: everyone. Well, uh, we stay in, uh, 1979, um, with Gang of Four, Entertainment, exclamation point. First of 10, 12 tracks, 39 minutes. Who the heck are these guys? Oh,
1: boy. I I hope you enjoyed the listen. I did. This is, uh, this is my favorite album of all time. Oh my gosh, for real. This, this is it. And and it's been that way since, uh, somewhere in the the mid-90s, maybe, um, and it's a band that I certainly did not discover um, until later, um, sometime in the early 90s. There were several members, or I think maybe even just one member that was in a band called Shriek back that um, I was a music director at a college radio station, and that was being plugged.
0: Wait, in Indiana?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At
0: IU? Uh, yes. Nice. Music director of the station as a student?
1: Well, yeah, I was a student radio. Yeah, yeah. A Community student combo. Thing, right, 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 right. WQAX, rest in peace. Cool, uh, but um, it. Uh, but that Ben Shriekback back included, I think Dave Allen. It must have been maybe from. Uh, that had been Gang of Four, um, and uh, so through that I kind of went back and dug into other things and went. Uh, you know, this is it. As soon as, I finished, as soon as I heard this album, the very, you know, you hear Andy Gill's very shrill, wonderful guitar tone, that just like oh, this is it. This is perfect. That noise is just somehow completing and grading at the same time. So th- that's how I came into Gang of Four is through later projects of its band members.
0: Um, now, you've mentioned uh, genres uh, a couple times already. Um, is that uh, an important thing to you to identify an artist and, and where they belong? And, and is, is there ever fluidity in that?
1: Yeah. It is my life's passion. <laughs> um, I am really big in a taxonomy, and of course, it only makes sense to each individual, right? I can say, "Oh no, that's that's this," and somebody else can say, "Oh no, that's not dark wave. That's just straight up post punk." You're like, "All right, this maybe, is post punk, correct? This is post punk. Okay, this, okay. This is I don't know. I, it, if post punk could have a definition, I think this 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 has to fit into it, or the term doesn't mean anything. Right, right. But um. Yeah, for me, I really, really like that. And it just helps me understand um, how a band fits in, um, how it fits in with other music, how it fits in with other labels, what other people are doing with. Just, I kind of need that, and I've got nasty OCD issues. So for me, <laughs> that, that taxonomy really helps. Sure. Um, um, if I, for, for bands that are like, I get, you know, as I said, tons of emails from from publicists. are like, and this band, it defies all genres." I'm like, "Uh oh, already, I don't like them. <laughs> I I can't handle that." Right. And so then I listen to them, and they're like, "What are you talking about? They defy all genres unless someone has ever heard the Ramones before. So <laughs> they sound just like them, <laughs> right. you know." But no no promoters ever gonna be like, "Listen to my band. It sounds just like this other one you like, but not as good."
0: Now, I am. Uh, I'm not not to draw a comparison but i'm right there with you in that i value it a lot too um however uh there's a lot if you take a sort of a late 70s to early 90s swath there's a lot of things that popped up in the in that time frame right and i uh i think that i i lack uh like i don't get too invested in it because i lack the confidence to know that this record here is post-punk unless i read it somewhere and okay now i now i know where it goes but have you uh been you know lower on the confidence scale in that regard and and watched yourself rise or did you all did you come out a superstar does that make sense yeah it, it it is interesting I think part
1: of it might just be that um, I've got an over um, inflated sense of uh, self and ego oh. and that I'm pretty comfortable with. Hey, I, I, you may have a difference of opinion and, and then now we're going to talk about it and, you know, but I'm comfortable making that right out of the gate statement about anything. Um, and then, you know, I, maybe i'm completely wrong. that's that's that that discussion can happen with somebody else and and they can decide i'm completely wrong. um maybe um i'll learn something. i mean certainly it gets fishy in there in some of those areas where you're like, well, what is is that dream pop? oh no, that's that's bliss pop. oh uh, what you sure that's not shoegaze? and you're like all right, well, for me, i figured out in my head what i'm going to call it and i'll tell you why i'm going to call it that. um uh
0: so and dissolve that. Just live up here. I mean, you don't have a, a, a gospel that you lug no, around.
1: No, no. Um, the, the gospel of Sid sounds like an excellent book <laughs> for me to write, but it, it would be so pedantic, and, and nobody would be interested in that. And like a study, and oh my God, old man yells at cloud because oh because you as you as you mentioned, I mean things get fluid, and, and certainly um, modern listeners, anybody certainly in the Gen Z or later there are no tribes anymore and you, know, you listen to everything and everything is everything. And so a lot of the bands that I see, they're kind of Gen Z bands, like they just mix it all together mm. and, and they're comfortable doing that. And um, so, you know, when I see some of those bands now, I'm like, oh, well, okay, where do they fit for me? What mm-hmm. do they sound like that I know of? What are they familiar with? And then, you know, sometimes, if somebody reads too much rock, um, they're going to like see me say, Oh, this band sounds like, whatever. And that band for, is probably going to be some band I mentioned from, you know, 1984 or something. And they're like, why would he say that when there's a whole genre? There's like 12 bands currently that all sound like this. And why is he comparing them back to something from 84? So I I don't have that information. Right. Um, so for me, I'm comfortable saying, I know what this is, but I, you know, with more information, I would say, oh no, this is part of that genre that grew out of you know salt lake city bands from 2017 that all sounded like this like i i don't know is that a thing i mean years ago i mean san diego had this crazy thing in the the early 90s um in their weird which we, we referred to as spock rock back then oh you know, more so because they all had the same haircut with the same uh, same Spock yeah, yeah. haircut but um uh, so those little scenes that kind of create their own sound um it's, sometimes it's you find those later and sometimes you never find them right and sometimes they never explode but they may you know listening to a band of that era like an antioch era or somebody like well of course they have to you have to group them into that little world and that's how they make sense but if you don't know about that world you may listen to that and go like wow this is way out of left field i'm like well unless you knew and then then it made sense
0: so uh, and i know this is not necessarily uh, your wheelhouse but just where where when you first heard a 311 or a Sublime, uh, where do you put them? <laughs> um, this is my biggest
1: my biggest blind spot. That that era of music. I mean, Sublime we all just call it generically that. Uh, oh yeah, there's some sort of bastard version of of ska right like well yeah fine yeah we'll give him some of that but it's not any version that that i appreciate sure um uh, but but for me like i don't know the difference between disturbed and 311
0: okay okay fair enough for
1: for me anything that (laughs) anything that happened like in that post-grunge new metal era for me is all just like I've never enjoyed any air, any element of that whatsoever. So it's all just like one bucket of things that Sid doesn't like that he will call new metal. And people are like, no, Slipknot doesn't sound anything like that, like Godsmack. And I'm like, I don't know. Okay. It's all the same band sure. to me. Yeah. Uh,
0: now, how about um, artists with larger libraries that wind up with uh, releases in different Categories in in the in the racks in the record stores. Do do you have an opinion about that? Or yeah, when when I'm organizing for
1: a while, I had my collection organized by more or less bands within genres, and so then now you've got to think. Well, they moved a lot during that career. How do I put them in this right place? And so you know, I, I think about that. Largely, there are bands very few bands um made big shifts something like the cure that started off kind of as a as a punk band in the very uh kind of mid-70s era um kind of also ran not great at that and then like oh great post-punk band and oh goth pioneers and then like the fun little weird pop airs in the middle and then like the the expansive sort of arena goth that um, happens today Hmm. like there's a lot of things that happen in there and i could shove them in any one of those buckets i could largely um it's for me like where they fit in my world so back in those that those days i'd be like oh i'm gonna slide them next to depeche mode because that was that era that I was listening to them together, and everyone at that point is like, "Oh, you like Depeche Mode? You must like The Cure because mm-hmm, this is 1987." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just it. All worked together yes. that way. Um, so for me, that's where they would put. But I could very well be like, "Oh no, no, this is a goth band. Slide them over in that collection there, and they're they 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 live in there now instead." And you could make a case for that.
0: So you've never gone alphabetical by artist name?
1: Um. No, not really. because uh, that's if I think if I had to share a collection with somebody else and they wanted to find things, I'd have to do that because otherwise they would never know like, of course, Robin Hitchcock goes next to to Billy Bragg because of Bingo handjob era, and that's why <laughs> REM is right there. you know. So like for me, that all makes sense. but for somebody else, it,
0: it certainly wouldn't. Sure. Uh, Billy Bragg, have you ever given Wilco a listen? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they kind of, they seem to be genre jumpers for me. Is that fair, or do you th- find that they are this?
1: I don't know. I think Wilco are Wilco. Um, I think, you know, when you look at it earlier Uncle Tupelo sort of era, it feels a little different than the straight-up kind of, well, I don't know if it's, if it's, uh, just American rock, Heartland rock, whatever you might want to call them now. Sure. Dad yeah. rock in my world. But, uh-huh, but uh-huh. I was told by somebody else that dad rock is just whatever your dad listened to. So for me, it was really weird someone to say, oh, I forget what it was, but it was like they were insisting that, listen to dad rock. Oh, like like bands from the early 2010s, dad rock. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Imagine Dragons aren't dad rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, uh, so... so Yeah, I think, for me, I think of Wilco as one thing, not as somebody who's progressed a whole lot. Okay,
0: okay. Now, uh, do you ever get hit up by folks that want to borrow records? And is that a thing that you participate in, or no? Um,
1: No, it doesn't really happen a whole lot. I mean, I will... Send digital records to people all the time, uh, like um, my, my ex-wife. Would be like, oh, you really like this record, and then I'll zip that up and ship her over to her via WeTransfer, and um, do that. Um, I think other people probably just send links to Spotify or whatever right, at this right. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there's very few that things that I would have that um, don't exist in some way sure. that I could sure get to somebody else. Right. At least in a way that would allow them to consume even if it's just like hey, someone has uploaded this all to YouTube, you can listen to this album there and then they're going to be like, oh yeah, this is great. I'll listen. I'm going to buy that one or um uh, or I'm uh, moving on. Nobody's yeah. like, "Hey, can I borrow your record to make a cassette copy?" Right. It's it, it, <laughs> fair it's fair enough. It's not that era anymore. Yeah, I know.
0: I know. Uh, speaking of YouTube, I didn't uh, I didn't peek at your YouTube portion of too much rock. Uh if the podcast is audio only, what, what's happening on, on the YouTube page? It's video from the shows. Oh that's right. That's right. I did see that. Yeah. I did see that. Cool. Um so uh inside my brain, Angry Samoans, nineteen eighty. First of five EPs, six tracks, nine minutes, late seventies LA, four guitarists. Uh how'd you how did you discover these guys?
1: Um There was an era um, that I would just go to the record stores, and this is this is one that you know, very early and influential for me. Is I just go to the record stores and look for things that look like a punk record and buy it. There wasn't any way to know. I I mean, you could. It wasn't going to be written up in Spin or Rolling Stone or some some magazine like that that I would have access to, and I wasn't hip enough in those you know mid uh, 80s years to to know that maximum rock and roll existed um so i just look at something that looked like it was going to be punk rock and buy it occasionally i would get some guidance from somebody who worked at the store like, nice there was a record store c- called karma yeah in, in indianapolis oh, okay that huh. the uh, sloppy steve from the band sloppy seconds worked at and um he would he would point things to me and be like oh you know I'm thinking about this and then he like pointed at the the Buzzcocks product which was like uh, a cassette box set of everything they'd released he's like no you really need that I'm like I've never heard of the Buzzcocks he's like oh no you really like that so I bought it and like he was right. It's fantastic. Um, um, but most of the time, it was just me flipping through and going, oh, yeah, that looks punk rock. And sure. the cover of that one, um, not not the same cover you have here. Oh, but, uh, the, the, is that
0: the one with the lady that has the thing going through her skull?
1: Y- yeah, that was, the, I think, the original EP. I had the cassette okay. um, that included some, some bonus tracks. And um, it has someone, a painting of somebody kind of melting in an electric chair. Oh, wow. Uh, but I was like, oh. Yeah, then, so I bought it. That's and, punk AF and, and, and right fantastic. There. <laughs> And fantastic. And that worked out sometimes, and then sometimes i get a weird metal record that I thought, well, that uh, I missed out. That one was a punk record at all.
0: Now, in <laughs> situations like that, uh, would you ever take it to a secondhand spot and sell it? Oh, yeah. Okay. At that... Separate from your, your mass exoduses. <laughs> oh, of... yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I, or... Um, it, in those days, kind of traded away with somebody. There like, you go. Hey, I've got this this overkill record, and uh, it's called Fuck You and Had a Middle Finger on it. And I thought, surely that's punk rock. Turns out it was not. Mm. But I may find somebody else, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up with a, like a Love and Rockets record in trade. So it was a good move on my part. Interesting. I
0: think. Interesting. Uh, and last but not least, The Crew, Seven Seconds. 18 tracks, 21 minutes. There was uh, 1984, I think. But then there was another version that had 24 tracks and was 30 minutes that I guess they put out shortly after. Nevertheless, uh, three cassette demos, nine EPs, and then this, I believe, is their second of 10 LPs. And it's Hardcore Punk from Reno, Nevada. And uh, this, to me, was like... This this should be somehow uh, you know near the punk rock definition because it's <laughs> you know high energy, real quick tracks, uh, making no you know uh, pulling pulling no punches, making no bones about the things that they want to say. Uh, I don't know if this is textbook punk or if it's got a different genre. Uh, what what is it for you?
1: Yeah, I, I think they they would have just refer to themselves um as a punk rock band okay but for for me i they were they were a straight edge band um they were singing about things that um uh just nobody else was i mean i won't say nobody else there there were a handful of other bands and literally a handful uh, Mm. at that time um but the the messages in these songs and i mean songs like not just boys fun Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm Amazing. I mean, busy saying that, you know, punk rock isn't just about these macho bullshit boys. Um, and there weren't other people saying that at the time. No. I mean, I wouldn't uh, think. There, I, I hate when people make statements like that. But surely there was. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, you know, x ray specs or whatever were saying that. But especially in, in, in the hardcore world where um, things were at that point just a lot of bruisers a lot of people into it just so they could so they could fight. Yeah. Um and and 7 seconds, you know, saying a song like, you know, it's not just boys fun, just really changed a lot of things. And there's I mean, songs like trust or things of that sort on here um just fill a fill a void that I did not realize that you could say in punk rock. Um, okay. So that's why I was like, oh, this is
0: different. This this is expanding. And Straight edge by definition is don't drink, don't smoke, don't fuck. That's um, that's exactly what I thought it was, and and these these cats are cut from that fabric.
1: Um, yeah, I think cut from that fabric. Huh. I, I, I think that uh, you know it it, it wasn't as, as textbook as is Minor Threat or you know certainly the bands that Uniform you know, Choice or Billingsgate or any of the bands that kind of followed in that era that were the. The post New York hardcore tough guy straight edge bands, yeah. Um, and this is this is earlier. I mean, this is '84, and um, so uh, predating Youth of Today sort of things, um, or I don't know, maybe not predating. I don't, it all depends on when someone existed and when that album actually came yeah, out, right? Yeah. But um, it was very early on, and um, I think for me, it's just that that message that was there.
0: Interesting. Um... I can't explain how or why, um, but that is a straight edge hardcore punk band is are two things that are difficult for me to mentally marry. Mm-hmm. And the part I can't really explain is because uh, hardwired in my brain, is punk rock is equivalent to smoking, fucking, drinking, fighting, uh, being a rebel, uh, mm-hmm. you know... Chaos, uh, anarchy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and uh, the only other place I've come across that uh, difficulty in marrying is uh, stoner metal, which um, <clears throat> is for sure a thing that is out there. Um, but I've always uh, affiliated you know, the notion of being stoned or baked or high or whatever with like you know reggae for example or Mm -hmm. uh something sunshiny and warm or relaxing or trancy but to you know ingest marijuana and then either enjoy or perform some version of heavy metal is perplexing to me and uh but there's a lot of folks that are into that
1: well, I I came. One of the records that I pulled out of my dad's collection early on was Uriah Heep record. Okay. And so, dad, and maybe that's where all of my taxonomy comes in. Dad said, "This is acid rock." <laughs> um, and um, it's it's a very stoner record. Huh. Um, and so for Uriah Heep. Yeah. Really. Um, oh yeah, the magician. That's a great record. Okay, I'll have to um, check it out. But um, so so for me, I was. Well, and also, I mean, I, I grew up in the the, the early 70s, mid-70s, where my f- parents' love for music was equal to their love of pot. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I, my house was just one big fishbowl for me as a kid. Um, and so music and uh, uh, everything was stoner everything for me, so... Um, y- Black Sabbath certainly fit in just as well when, when they were high. And so stoner and metal work well for me. It just makes sense. Would
0: they smoke in front of you guys? Oh, yeah. At, at all ages, or did they wait until you were ex? No, no.
1: I have very early memories of my job in the back seat is to pass the joint uh, from some family member to a different one. Really?
0: And did they have any? like hey don't talk about this at school or any of that kind of thing or they just didn't care at all it was the
1: air of Cheech and Chong I sure. think everybody was talking about it and, and and probably doing it huh
0: fascinating um well that was uh that was a very fun listen I appreciate uh appreciate it. again you uh giving me your list um so I like to wrap with a series of goofy questions um and uh, the first would be if you are uh, a person that has a bucket list, um, and let's just say you've got a top three, um, and uh, you're handed all the resources necessary to tackle those top three. What is the thing that you're gonna go after first?
1: You- And this is a a universal bucket list? Yep,
0: for for Sid Souter, yeah.
1: There is a soccer pitch in the Faroe Islands. What? That is just like right on the ocean, like literally balls must go in there constantly. (laughs) There's the most beautiful place I've ever seen. Really? I really would like to go um, see a match there. Nice. How did you
0: you come to learn about it? Photos online. Just randomly discovered it? Yeah,
1: I, okay. I, I I I don't know um, exactly how that happened, but uh, I saw pictures of it and went, oh, "I want to see a match
0: there." Cool, so. very cool. Um, you get to have lunch with anyone, dead or alive. You're choosing who and why.
1: Hmm. Well. Uh, it seems like that should be one I have an answer for, right? That's, that's a question that people ask. Um, how about Emma Goldman? And Uh, she is? Uh, she was a feminist, radical anarchist, um, very much engaged, uh, with the, the Chicago folks in the, uh, fight for 40 hour work weeks, things of that sort. Oh, wow. But she was also very much a a feminist for, for, uh, I won't say she was a suffragette. She fought, uh. Fought a little differently, but uh, I don't know. I think I think it should just be a fantastic conversation because she cut through bullshit so well.
0: <laughs> How did you learn about her?
1: I um, I think probably it started with punk rock uh, bands like Crass and Subhumans, and learning more about um, anarchy that way. Picking up magazines like Profane Existence, mm. uh, Practical Anarchy. Um, and, and, and kind of, that was all my basis. And then, uh, more active in college with a group of, uh, folks there that, um, introduced me to kind of the canon of Kropotkin and Makunin and, and all of, all of the, 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 the big thinkers. But for, for me, Emma was always just so direct and just so punk rock. Cool. I love that answer.
0: Um, You're given the ability to visit your past self at any age you're choosing. What age are you choosing, and what are you saying?
1: Well, 1994, we're going to go back to Sid as uh, he was starting out uh, his career career in earnest and tell them to buy a whole lot of Apple stock. Because uh. at that point, it was like nothing before right. Steve Jobs came back. Right. So so that will help. That will Now, I'll be able to look at the bank account once I get back and go, oh, sure. I'll fly to Faroe Islands on my own job. Yeah, jet. right. That would be wonderful.
0: I might go twice next week. <laughs> no,
1: I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a silly answer, but uh, I, I think that I'm pretty happy with where things have gone. I don't Good. know that I would go back to any era and say... Um, do something very differently. Sure. I had a major injury when I was 15. Oh, really? I'm blind in one eye. Oh. Okay. And so I might tell, go back and tell myself to duck. Oh, uh, shit. So right? that <laughs> that might be something. But, yeah. But uh, I think uh, of those two, the app will probably
0: do me better in the long term. <laughs> I like it. Um, Complete this for me, please, if you would. The world would immediately become a better place in which to live, if only.
1: Hmm.
0: We all went vegan. Can you elaborate?
1: Yeah, I think that um, there is... An empathy that um, is missing um, for everything. Um, So I think that, um, and certainly everything includes us as people, but I think um, a conscious vegan diet where you understand um, what you're eating and what you're not eating and why adds that empathy. I think there are so many environmental issues that could be solved. I think issues around world hunger, um, land management,
0: mm. there's
1: just a whole lot there that I think that would be solved. Are
0: you vegan yourself? Yeah. And have been for?
1: Um, I went vegetarian in 1990 um, and I've been vegan most of that time with the exception, I think, three years where I was just
0: vegetarian. Wow. Okay. Um, and like there was ne- never a noticeable, uh, drop or shift in your overall energy and, and, and feeling and so forth. I don't think so. Okay. I'm,
1: I know it's been a very, I, my body's changed quite a bit in, in the last, uh, 35 years. Sure, sure. Uh, so, um, but, but I don't think so. Okay. And, and, and honestly, I, it, I do just fine. Yeah, um, and uh, so the, people, un,
0: the uneducated, where I go immediately is, well, where do you get protein from? Is 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 that a stupid curiosity? It
1: is. It's the, it's the common question. Okay, But okay. I think the answer is nuts and legumes for okay. me. Okay, okay. Um, I get I get plenty there. Nice. But uh, our. Without hijacking the, the podcast, um, I, I think our um, early estimates on how much protein people needed was really uh, based on other animals more than people, which had different protein needs. So we don't need nearly as much as people thought we did anyway.
0: Oh, okay. No um, oh, cheese. That's just
1: yeah. I I, uh, I don't um, I, I don't do any. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm vegan. Yeah. I also don't do any chocolate. So I do no caffeine at all. Wow. Um, okay. And 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 straight edge at one point kind of had a no caffeine feel to it, and I think maybe it, it doesn't anymore. But that's something that I I continue to do.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, are you uh, a pretty close to the same bedtime every night kind of guy, or does it f- fluctuate? It, it's a fun question. When people are like, are you a night owl, or are you a
1: morning person? And the answer for me is both. Okay. I don't sleep a lot. Ah. Uh, so for me, bedtime most nights is pretty standard, around about one o'clock. Okay, um, and then um, I'm I don't use an alarm, but I'm always up by eight, um, u- usually seven. Uh, and so no coffee.
0: No coffee. Not even you, know, you would wouldn't even drink a, a decaf situation.
1: I, I don't do decaf though. I mean, there's a very minimal amount of caffeine in right. there still, but I I don't. I've okay. never been a coffee person. Sure,
0: sure. Um, that and, and so not not so much tea either, huh? I have herbals.
1: Um, so uh, I won't, not after a black coffee or anything, but uh, any combination of happy herbs is, uh, is going to make a nice tea, a chamomile or whatever. Okay,
0: cool. Um, true or false, it is okay and acceptable to wear the T-shirt of the band whose show you're going to? Oh, I, I
1: think uh, perfectly acceptable. Okay,
0: okay, fair enough um
1: better to wear it the next day at school that way everyone knows you went
0: bingo i like that um too much rock too much rock.com facebook twitter youtube apple music soundcloud as you mentioned pretty much anywhere um what didn't we cover about it
1: um yeah i think we, we mentioned that there's the the singles component um, most of it is really just around me going to shows, taking pictures, taking video, writing about them. Um, and then, uh, the podcast that happens every week as well. And th- those are kind of the, the three big things that, that, make up too much rock.
0: And are you, uh, the, the type of podcaster that, uh, wants to drop on the same day each week at the same hour? And if so, what are those?
1: Yeah, I usually record on Sundays, um, and we go live on uh, Monday. It publishes Monday morning at uh, 8 o'clock, and then I usually start hitting. um, It's all programmed ahead of time. Sure, uh, sure. And then um, it hits, I think, uh, like Twitter at uh, at noon or something, and then it hits Facebook at 7 p.m. Oh, you've got
0: deliberate times for different platforms based on...
1: Whatever the robots tell me when... The robots say that more people are paying attention at a particular time, so that's when I try to hit things. Is that
0: a a thing that you just Googled, or?
1: Um, no, I mean when you're using um, the kind of the platforms to publish, uh, the advanced versions at least will tell you when really? you have the biggest audiences. Okay,
0: cool, good to know. Well, um, I'm really. Uh, grateful anytime uh, uh, somebody comes over to sit with me and, and talk for a little bit about themselves and music and, and um, you know it's uh, time uh, is, is a big ask. Um, and so I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you being here. Um, I really admire the heck out of your project and its longevity and the scope. And the focus on local and just you know, um, I, my my first uh, sentiment when I came across your I think it was your Facebook page was uh, a little bit of shame in that I hadn't heard of you before um, because I, I again uh, it just I think a lot of kudos should be uh, sent your way for uh, tackling music to me is. Um, you know, one of the most beautiful things about the human existence and, um, documenting it, sharing it, promoting it, etc., etc., uh, is, is worthy of all the praises in my mind. So I'm glad that you, uh, do what you do and started what you started. And I guess I'm also thankful that you don't know when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yes. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. And you know, it, as small as Kansas City is, is, there's still. I saw a band the other day that I had never seen before, and then like realized that they'd been around for like ten years. Oh I'm my! Like, how is it possible that I've been doing, say, an average of three shows a week for, twenty years in this town, and I have never seen this band? And so, I, as small as it is, there's still a lot out there. Right. Um, so that that's the good news. We still yet to discover the best things, maybe.
0: Right. Well, Sid Souter, too much rock. Appreciate you. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Talk to you soon. back.